means to, to start or to dedicate. It's, it's actually the idea of child dedication. It's the thing that we do here in front of the church when your children are babies and we put you before the congregation as parents and say, hey, we want you to dedicate yourselves in training these children to follow the Lord. I think that's what this verse is saying. Dedicate your child. Initiate your child in the way that they would go. One, one commentary said it this way, catechize your child. You know, take, it, take the catechism and teach your children those things. Um, this, this involves instruction, training your children. It involves instruction and it involves discipline. If you're going to have kids, <laughs> it's going to take time and it's going to take a whole lot of effort. Um, you can just count on it. So young parents, you know, if you haven't had kids yet, just know that if you decide that you're going to have kids, they're going to take time, they're going to take effort. You have to be involved in training them, teaching them, warning them. In fact, uh, Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. That command is to us as fathers, to instruct and to train our kids in the Lord. Um, and then it talks about here in the, in the way that he should go. Um, literally, at the beginning of his way. Um, we are Parents, you are very influential at the beginning of your child's life. You have no idea how much influence you have. Now, this idea of at the beginning of his way, what is, there's maybe four different interpretations. One commentary talked about four different interpretations of this verse. What does it mean to, to train a child on his way? There's a moral view, right? The moral view would, would, would express and, and stress the good way. Teach your kids right and wrong. Um, there's, a, there's certainly a vocational view um, to this beginning of his way. Vocational view would stress that, that um, you would help them on their vocation in life, help them figure out what their place is in society. Um, this, this idea and looking at your kids, um, and which kind of supports the third way. The third view would be the, this personal aptitude, right? It stresses you, in the ch there's a very specific, each child has their own specific bent, and maybe you've read about this before when you've read about parenting or you've thought about your own parenting. Each child is different. And so part of training the child in his way is looking at your child and seeing what are their strengths, what are their abilities, and then moving them and pushing them towards those things. Um, and then there's a, there's a, fourth, there's a fourth view, um, and that's the personal demands view, um, which is doing nothing. You know, start a child on his way. You know, let him never say no to your kids. And, and then that way will play itself out that you will find that you will have spoiled children uh, that may never change. Uh, they're always going to get their way. Um, and I think that each of these views, the, the moral view, the vocational view, the personal aptitude view, these are all valuable as you look at your kids. Um, Maybe the most valuable is the moral view, in my opinion, since we're in, we're in church here, and um, part of what we teach as a church is right and wrong, right? 
We teach, we teach our children to love the Lord and to seek his face. Um, so practically, train up a child in the way they can go. Start a child. Initiate a child on his way. How do we carry that verse out as parents? What do we do? Um, I think one of the challenges in, in training our children is the parents, right? I may, Karen may have one way that she thinks the child should go, and I may have another way that I think the child should go, right? And, uh, and so one of the first things that I think we have to do as parents is to come together and, and sit down together and have a conversation. How do we want to raise these kids? And so my first, you know, word, if you will, is planning. Like if you're going to raise children and you're going to train a child in the way that they're going to go, you need to have a plan. You need, it starts with planning. It's important that you sit down as parents and plan together. Because it's so easy if we just, if she has her plan and I have my plan, those things may not be the same thing. And I may say one thing to my kids and they may go to the other parent and go, well, mom didn't say that. And so one of the rules that we have had young at our house was, you know, either go ask, or it was kind of like, how did that go? <laughs> well, we still have little kids too, but they're, they're starting to go out. Yeah. And maybe a good question then to the, uh, to the child is, now, what did mom say, right? Before you make a decision, you go, okay, what did mom say? Well, we're going to have to go sit down and agree on this before we give you an answer. Um, that takes planning. You know, when you, when you build a house, you start with blueprints, right? We sh you should. <laughs> In fact, what happens if you don't start a house with, with, with blueprints? It's a mess, you have a conceptual drawing that gives you a picture of what it's going to look like. And I think the same thing should be true in our parenting. Maybe a good place to start would be Joshua 24 and verse 15, which says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Maybe that's the place to start is to say this house is going to be established. The foundation of this house is going to be on the Lord. It's important for you to set your values in training your children. And so from the outset then, our desire for our kids is that they are going to serve the Lord. Um, and then you will have to go back and relook at those plans and relook at those plans, and it's always good to keep evaluating what you're doing. Um, parents, maybe take a retreat. You know, Mark Gregston has a thing uh, on parenting teens. Did you ever hear that guy on the radio, Mark Gregston? Ever hear, he's on he's on the life or whatever the radio station one hundred seven point one. Once in a while, he's on a parenting moment. Mark Gregston has some great material on raising teens, and uh, and in fact, you can do a whole retreat and go away and just really hash through and set the values that you have as a family. In fact, Karen and I—that's one of the things that we're planning on doing here um, soon as we kind of go into the second half of our family we raised the second half of our children we're like we better go and reevaluate and see what, we're, what we need to do next so be warned <laughs> yeah yeah i think it's important planning i think it's important to have conversations you should be having conversations with your kids if you're going to train them about the values that you have 
Deuteronomy 6 and verse 7, we're familiar with this verse, right? It says, impress them on your children. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then it says, and I want you to impress these things on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your heads and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You know, if you, simple, if you need to be reminded that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, paint it on your wall somewhere. You know, paint it so that it's a visual reminder that, oh yeah, this is a house that serves the Lord. And have conversations about it. One of the greatest places that you can have a conversation with your kids is at mealtimes or at bedtimes. Well, that would assume that you have meals together. Um, and it's a lost art. It's an important thing. You probably, it would be good to have a meal together. Um, one of the things that we do right now at our dinner table at night is we have a question of the day. Um, and that question of the day sparks discussion, you know, and to my sadness, one of the questions this week was, who do you value most? So this is asked to the kids. And, uh, you know, of course, mom. Good job. Yeah. No, it's good. But it opens up conversations with your, with your kids. Talk about things openly and freely in your family. Um, another way that we can train our children, and maybe the most effective and most powerful way, is modeling. Like, think about it. Your kids do what they see more than what you say. Right? So, husbands and wives, treat each other with love and respect. That will, you'll be surprised at how far that goes later in life. You know, when they're old, they won't depart from it. They're going to watch how you treat each other in your home. It's important that we love and respect our spouse. And of course, prayer. <laughs> praying for your kids. Praying with your kids. One of the things that uh, came up in message community and one of the things that, uh, that, that Gary did for years, Gary Gilbert, um, he said, you know what, we'd pray for our, for our children, pray with them for their future spouse. You just think about that when you're praying out loud. You just say, you know what, we want to pray for their future spouse and pray with them about their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for those things with our kids. And, um, and sometimes, um, well, and then, and then one other thing, and this will take me to the third point, is, is you've got to discipline your kids. <laughs> discipline is, is, is important, especially, especially as they're young. Discipline is huge. You've got to discipline, and, and discipline can be a positive thing, and it can be a negative thing. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about maybe a negative reinforcement of discipline, um, certainly the positive discipline is that you teach your kids how to talk to adults. You train them in that way. You've got to show them how to do that. They don't, they don't come pre-wired with that stuff. You have to teach them. And of course, discipline also 
Sometimes it needs a, a reminder, and maybe oftentimes it needs a reminder when they're young. Um, certainly Proverbs has a lot to say about that. Proverbs 29 verse 15 says it this way. It says that the rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Proverbs 29 verse 17 says, discipline your son and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. And then here's an obscure verse. This, this was interesting. Proverbs 29 verse 19, listen to this. A servant cannot be corrected by mere words, though he understands he will not respond. That's right after the rod verses. Think, listen to this again. A servant cannot be corrected by mere words, though he understands he will not respond. And so I want to talk just a little bit about the rod um, because I think it's valuable. I think it's still valuable today in disciplining your children. Regardless of what, regardless of what the world says, regardless of what even psychology, well, maybe psychology would support it as a negative reinforcement. Sometimes the scripture says the rod of correction imparts wisdom. And we have a responsibility as, as parents to correct our children. And, and my third point is this, is that this verse, along with others in Proverbs, is about a rescue mission. If you need to think about parenting in a different way, think about parenting as part of your responsibility as parents. You are on a rescue mission. Our kids, we've pointed out already, they're born with a sinful nature, right? They're born with a propensity to sin. Their hearts are far from the Lord. The natural man is far from the Lord. And it's our responsibility as parents to bring them to the truth of the gospel. And so, parenting is a rescue mission. Here's what Proverbs 23, maybe you should turn over there. It's not too far away from Proverbs 22 and verse 6. Turn over to Proverbs 23, verses 13 and 14. Here's what it says. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, he will not die. Punish him with the rod and save his soul from death. Listen to that. Here's how the CSB says it. Do not withhold discipline from a youth. If you punish him with the rod, he will not die. Punish him with the rod and you will rescue his, his life from Sheol. That last part is extremely important, parents. Correcting our children is a rescue mission. We are rescuing them from hell. It's our responsibility. It's your responsibility as a parent to step in and rescue your kid from hell and the path that leads there. Our job as parents isn't simple behavior modification. We're not trying to produce little moral children, right? That's not our goal in parenting, not our goal in Christian parenting. Let me rephrase that. You know, if, our, our, if all we're trying to do is create good moral children, you're going to raise some Pharisees and or you're going to raise a rebel. And when the rewards and the consequences are gone, they're going to go on their way. And I also want to say this, that discipline 
isn't punishment. It's, it's an opportunity to have a gospel conversation with your child. So here's how it goes in our house. Here's how it's gone in our house. And sometimes we're, we are not perfect and we are lax, you know, sometimes. Especially when you get to like child six, you know. It's just, man, I wore out, wore myself out in the first three boys. So, yeah, and I don't know. Imagine what you do with 16 and what happens on the end. Sammy, he's not even in here, dude. You're, but <laughs> can't even imagine it. I don't even close my mind. But here's, here's how, here, here's, I think, a healthy way um, to use the rod. Because the culture, it, we, we've seen all the unhealthy ways, and so the culture has swung all the way and gone, well, you can't do that. We're going to call DHS or those kinds of things. You can't do that anymore. If, if the rod is, is applied in a healthy way, it's a good thing. So here's how it goes um, in our house. Um, usually, you know, if a child spills milk on the table, no. Hey, move your glass next time. You know, this is not appropriate. Now, if the child looks at you in the face, looks, looks you in the eye, and takes the glass of milk and goes... That's a problem in my house. <laughs> because now, that is defiance. That is the stubborn, rebellious heart that's inside of us. That heart needs to get corrected. And sometimes it needs a reminder, especially, you know, between the age of like <laughs> one, two, to about age seven. You don't sit and reason and, and with a child like, whoa, I don't, you know, you shouldn't do that. That's not what we do. You, that's part of it. So here's how it goes. Okay, son, I want you to know that I, I love you very much, but this is not how we act in our house. And, and this conversation now is happening in our, in our bathroom. So that is the place where discipline happens in our home. Um, it's not in front of everybody else to try to shame them or anything like that. Sometimes it needs to be those steps to the restroom um, just for me to calm myself down because I'm going like, dude, I am angry right now. You just defied me. You defied my authority in my house. So there's a calming period, and, it, and the conversation often begins with, hey, I just want you to know that I love you, and I really don't want to have to do this. But because you defied my authority, and here's the instruction part of it, because the word of God says, children, honor your father and mother. You have, you have stepped across God's, God's boundaries. This is not what God would want you to do. This is not the way that God would want you to act. And so, I'm going to give you a spanking. Yeah, I spank my kids. Um, and that is the negative consequence to reinforce the instruction that, is, that has happened and that rod then is followed with a love, some love, a hug, saying, you know what, I love you, and there's tears, and there's crying, and, and, and the ultimate goal is repentance, right? So there's tears, there's crying, but you know what, when the child comes out of the bathroom, they're a different 
They're different. I witnessed it just this week, or just this week, last week. Totally different kids. And sometimes, not all the times, they're repentant. And I don't want to force repentance, but sometimes they will say, you know what, I'm sorry for what I did. That was not appropriate. There's no abuse involved in it. There's nothing... I asked my kids this week, because I told them I was going to be preaching on this, I said, hey, and none of them went like, yeah, none of them said, man, you spanked me, you know, I hated, you know, all, none of them said that was the wrong thing to do. It's, it's love. Do not withhold discipline from a youth. If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. Punish him with a rod, and, he, and you will rescue his life from Sheol. Our goal then in that parenting moment is to turn our kids' hearts towards the Lord. We're not just trying to create moral kids, well-behaved kids. We, our goal is to turn their hearts to the Lord. And generally speaking, that means that there, it's likely that we are going to be unpopular with our children at times. Parenting isn't, isn't this whole buddy-buddy thing that we have going on. That's not what parenting is. That's friendship. Um, and you know what? If we, do, if we discipline when they're young, that kind of relationship can happen when you're older. Now, I'll be the first to admit that I struggle deeply with this, this friendship thing with my kids. I want to be best friends with my kids, sometimes to the detriment of my own reason in that I... I'm too gracious sometimes when they need discipline and instruction. We don't do this perfectly. Karen's much better at it than I am. I am much, yeah, I, but, and so, to train up a child in the way that they will go, um, and when they're old, they won't depart from it, okay? So, we discipline our kids. It's about a rescue mission. It's about connecting our kids to God and to the gospel, that is our goal in parenting, um, to show them, to, to show them their sin, to show them that sin matters and there's consequences to sin. Now, when he is old, um, he will not depart from it. It's it's that simple, right? Isn't it? Yeah, it is. That's what it says. Yeah, it's, it's that simple. I think. Maybe it, when you train up your kids and give them a godly example, you model for them, you have conversations with them, you discipline them, you have a plan with your, with your wife, I think it'll be a difficult for them to get away from what they were taught. It will be very difficult. It will always be something that will be there, and they will know what right and wrong is when they go into their adult years. Um, but what happens? So what happens um, when maybe it doesn't go the way that you want to, it to as parents? I know a lot, of, a lot of your stories, a lot of parents in here have raised their kids, they're empty nesters, and most, actually, of you may have a kid that's, that's not going to church, not, you know, walking with the Lord like we had hoped that they would, what do you do? 
when it, when it doesn't, when the verse just doesn't play out the way that you think that, that you wanted it to play out. Um, I would say this, don't live in regret and guilt. Here's what you can do. You can still pray and you can still nag. <laughs> never underestimate the power of prayer and never underestimate the power of nagging. Right? Yeah, you can. So I want to end with a story of hope. Here's a story. This is, so Christopher Ewan, he's a professor at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Um, when he was nine years old, he came across pornography. And, he, and this pornography had a powerful effect on him. And it, and it caused him to be confused in his identity. Um, and so all through high school, off into college, he's struggling with, He's struggling with homosexual thoughts. And finally, he's in college, and, um, and he's in dental school, and he decides to come out of the closet um, in his 20s, going through dental schools. And at that moment, he decides that, you know what, I'm going to tell my parents. None of them are believers at this point, They're, so no one's a believer. His parents are in crisis mode. And, and what do they do in the crisis? It brings them to faith in the Lord. They put their faith and they put their trust in the Lord. And so his crisis brought their parents to their knees. Now, he didn't follow their path. He went down a different path. Um, he went down the path of drugs, partying, um, to the point that he was selling drugs. And, and then... Um, and so his parents came and visited him uh, one weekend and tried to hand him a Bible, tried to witness to him, and he basically took the Bible, threw it in the trash, that the Bible that his dad had given him, and his parents at this point go, you know what, there's, there's no hope. Um, we, we, can't, we can't help him. Um, he's beyond help. And so he continues down that path, um, and his parents left thinking that he was unreachable um, but there's one thing that his parents could do and that was to pray and so his parents got on their knees and you know what they prayed right the, the bold prayer you know what the bold prayer is there you go the bold prayer is this Lord whatever it takes to bring this child to repentance I pray that you do it. Um, and here he is, selling drugs. His mom is, is fasting and praying every Monday for seven years, praying for her son. At one point, she went on a 39-day fast and prayer for her son. Well, about that time, um, 12 agents show up at their son's door just as he had received a shipment of marijuana 9.1 tons of marijuana in his apartment. Um, and he realizes that, you know, this is going to be a problem. Um, <laughs> and you could get 10 years to life in prison for this. And, of course, he went to prison. And, and so he calls his parents, and he's expecting his parents to give, that, give him the what for, you know, condemnation, you know, you're no longer our son. 
Instead, what did he find on the other side? He found love. His mom, his mom asked, asked him, well, how are you doing? And so just a little part of his heart goes, whoa, this is different. Christ makes a difference. And so he's in prison, and, um, and now he's at the, the bottom, and he finds a Bible. Where at? In the trash can. Um, he finds this Bible in the trash can at prison, and he starts reading it cover to cover. During that time, he finds out that he's, that he's HIV positive. And he's in despair, and he's searching for answers. And he looks up at his bunk, and, it's, and, and etched in the bunk, it says, hey, if you're bored, read Jeremiah 29, 9 through 11. You guys know what Jeremiah 29, 9 through 11 says. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for you to prosper, plans for a hope and a future. And God, at that moment, in his seeking, delivered him. As he wrestled through his sexual identity, God delivered him from that. And, and obviously, he's out of prison. He's teaching at Moody Bible Institute. He went on to get his doctor's degree in, in Christian education. And he's writing a book that's coming out this November called Holy Sexuality. And um, I tell the story because our kids are never too far gone. They're never too far gone for God. God is much bigger than we can think or imagine. And so, if your child is not walking with the Lord, one of the things that you can do as a parent is to pray. Get on your knees and pray. And if you've got to fast and pray, do it. Um, I wanted to just say that to encourage you uh, and to give you some hope. Because it can, it can be hard uh, as a parent. So, just to recap, this verse isn't about parent guilt, um, but this verse is an instruction to you to correct your children. And, and also this verse, I think, is along with others in Proverbs, it's a verse about a rescue mission that you have as a parent, to rescue your hearts, uh, to rescue your child's hearts from hell, and to give them and encourage them with the gospel. All right, let's pray.